We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking down the NFL futures market. That's what we're going to talk about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. I'm on Twitter at Yards Gretsch. My newsletter at bankgretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his fantastic work at Rotoviz. Sean, you started to do some rankings, I noticed. I, I was planning on getting on those soon. I refuse to look at yours until I've done mine because they are just too influential on, on the way that I think usually. So I'm omitting looking at your rankings until I've done my own and I can not feel influenced by your genius but today we're going to talk about a really fun topic we're going to kind of do a little curveball something we haven't done a whole lot but we're going to basically talk about like the futures market team essentially teams that we think could massively overperform expectations and i think it's kind of cliche to be like oh look what the Bengals did last year and teams because we wouldn't expect that to happen every single year at the same time we have a pretty long history of teams doing this in the nfl and at this time of year, there's a, a pretty good reason to think that there's a lot of teams that don't look like they could be competitive next year, but that someone from that group will be. So we're going to kind of talk through some of those teams, right? We are. We are. And as you mentioned, uh, have some tight end rankings up now for best ball. And I'm looking forward to chat chatting with you about all of these and drafting some teams together because I always feel like once we have our two boards sort of mixed that I just, I really like those drafts. So I'm looking forward to that. But one of the things here in terms of putting that together is obviously looking at impending free agency, knowing some players will resign. Some players are going to obviously depart and make some other teams stronger. And kind of all of this preparation goes in the direction of trying to figure out what, elements and what areas of fantasy will be exploitable in the next couple of months it doesn't mean you're going to get everything right of course but if you can stack up as many tiny edges as possible then you know you have that small advantage that may allow you to beat some of these other very prepared and very talented fantasy drafters and so i'm really excited for this exercise today and ben for me there are at least three different elements of this and ways that you can apply it Number one, one of the reasons that this topic sort of came up for us is that you've been doing omni-fantasy preparation and omni-fantasy drafts. And so you and I have been talking behind the scenes about how 
in your drafts, some teams that go very late end up then having a substantial impact on how Omni Fantasy turns out, but then also make it to you know conference finals or the Super Bowl. So that's a really cool element of it. Number two, obviously, you have the betting markets right now, so you want to uh, put out a futures bet on some of these teams then knowing who's most likely to outperform that's very beneficial and then number three if you are sort of early on figuring out the teams that are going to make the jump and you can be on some of their offensive players and fantasy then that's very beneficial to you as well so at least three ways in which i'm looking forward to this obviously probably more than that as well but ben start us out by giving us a feel for what's happened over the last several years in terms of teams kind of making this jump and outperforming number one who those teams are and kind of how they did it but then number two so what we're going to go into here is what are some of the characteristics of teams that have really taken a step forward yeah definitely and um i love that idea of you know obviously it it can very easily tie back into fantasy football we're going to kind of focus more on teams but it's a like this episode will be a great groundwork i think for a lot of the drafts and the teams we want to be on and those types of things you can get such an edge if you're early on identifying those types of teams in your drafts but yeah the, the omnifence thing we've talked about a little bit on the show is just like you're drafting teams instead of players across a whole bunch of different sports so one of the things and i've done this since 2014 so one of the things that i've tried to do in this contest is try to figure out which sports i can wait later at and have a, a chance at actually you know that that pick that I take for that sport has a chance of actually succeeding and what sports I want to stick to the favorites on. And it's become pretty clear over the several years we've done this. And and part of the reason it's so relevant is I'm always drafting in the January, February range. And so like looking at odds, very similar to now. And then the Omni fantasy season runs through like the next Super Bowl, but it includes all the other sports, but it's as far as the, the calendar timeline goes, it's basically like the 2022 odds right now that you would be looking at for all these past years of drafts. And what I've noticed over several years for the NFL and digging into is like, it's very frequent that the top teams don't do well. A lot of times the early off season favorites are just the teams that made the run the last year. And a lot of them are in cap trouble. A lot of them have to make cuts. A lot of them have aging players. We talk about this in fantasy all the time, how short windows can be for players. And it's very true for teams. And we talk about how the chaos that occurs in seasons. Well, I would I would use that exact same chaos word to describe basically NFL off seasons from the end of the Super Bowl and the current odds that we're looking at until next year's Super Bowl, basically. And the results bear that out. I mean, one of the big early, early examples was the Seahawks. And this the reason that's early is that was right after the quarterback contracts went from the old Sam Bradford and Matthew Stafford days where they could get signed for huge numbers to the rookie wage scale that had the biggest impact on quarterbacks because quarterbacks get paid the most. But when they are rookie draft picks while they're in their rookie contract, they're basically like cost controlled, which can go a really long ways because the top quarterbacks can be, can make nowadays can make 30 million or more. And people are talking 40 million for Dak Prescott and some others. And if you're talking about, a quarterback on a rookie deal is making $6 million. You're saving 25 million. And for a lot of positions, you can get a premium player for 10 million, right? Because they're, they're not a quarterback. Basically there's not a lot of premium other non quarterbacks that make 20. And so if you have that 25 million savings, just from not paying what the quarterback is really worth, you have the potential to add 
maybe two other premium players or a lot of depth, right? Four other key contributors around them. And we've seen this happen time and again. The best example from, again, the early days is the Seahawks, where they had not only Russell Wilson on a rookie contract, but they had a bunch of their defenders, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, uh, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. A bunch of these guys had been drafted just in the years leading up to their Super Bowl run in 2013. They were able to then go out and add like Michael Bennett as a free agent defensive end, Cliff Averill, several other key pieces. You don't even have to hit as many because you have so much flexibility. Since we've started doing Omni Fantasy, though, just to go back through some results, I pulled some stuff from where these teams uh, that made Super Bowl appearances just in this window since 2015, which is uh, seven years, where they were drafted in February Omni Fantasy drafts. And I also pulled their futures odds from Pro Football Reference, which lists them. Those are going to be closer to week one. And so there's some gaps like the Bucks in 2020, where in the early offseason, they were very low in, in futures odds, which these, again, these the reason I'm using these Omni Fantasy drafts is they, they tail very closely to futures odds. They're going to be drafted and teams are going to be drafted pretty close to their actual futures odds. And so like the Bucks in 2020, they were the 20th drafted NFL team in this Omni Fantasy draft. They were somewhere around 20th in, in futures odds. By the start of the season, they were at 10 to 1, which made them about the third favorite for the 2020 season because they had Tom Brady by that point. The, the offseason had gone on. But for most of the others, there's not huge changes. I'm, I'm going to kind of give both numbers. In 2015, we had the Panthers. That was the Cam Newton MVP year. They make a Super Bowl appearance. They had the 11th best odds in February. By week one, they were at 60 to 1, actually. I think they had maybe moved backward. That was Newton's fifth-year option year. So he's still on his rookie contract. He had about a $13 million cap hit. The next year, he was up over $20 million. He wasn't down in this like $6 million cap hit range. He had gotten a raise for his fifth-year option, but he was still underpaid relative, relative to him playing at an MVP level. And that's, again, the huge key here is like, can you get surplus value at quarterback, I think is the easy way to put it. And they definitely got surplus value. The Falcons the next year don't really fit this rookie contract thing. They're an interesting case study, though. They were the 18th drafted team in February or had about the 18th best odds in February. And they were um, 80 to 1 by week one. They make a Super Bowl appearance. 2017, we get the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Wentz on a rookie deal. 22nd best uh, futures odds in February. They were 40 to 1 by week one. Wentz doesn't even play in the playoffs, which is a great example of how that rookie deal gave them enough flexibility to build a really strong team around him. And Nick Foles is the one who ends up taking them to a Super Bowl. 2018, we have the Rams. They were the ninth best futures odds in February range. They were 10 to 1 by week one. They had a really great 2017 in McVay's first year. And then 2018, they go all the way to the Super Bowl. But again, golf on a rookie deal, right? The Rams have been able to build around with, you know, adding players. And they continue to kind of do that into their 2021 run. Uh, obviously, they had a, a larger QB contract here, but they were able to kind of push some money to the future and really go for it. 2019, you had the 49ers, 40 to 1 by week one. They were the 16th highest drafted team in Omni Fantasy range. Interesting thing about them, they had acquired Jimmy Garoppolo. They had a bunch of rollover cap because you can roll over some of your unused salary. And they had structured Garoppolo's extension such that he had a 37 million cap hit in year one, 20 million year two, and then it was 26 million or more every other year he was with the Niners. So this was the year that his cap hit was 6 million lower than every other year. They kind of pushed it so that they had some rollover cap and they they managed to get Garoppolo's number down enough that they had a ton of cap space that year. Also, they they played against the Chiefs that year who had Mahomes still on a rookie deal, very low cap number. 
they were heavily favored. They weren't like a long shot, but they were another team with a you know a, a cheap cap hit quarterback. 2020, you had the Bucks I mentioned. Early offseason, long shots, 20th best odds by the late offseason, by the time they'd added Brady and got some other like discount free agent additions, they were 10 to 1 odds. Uh, and also you had the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. Again, he's on a very small cap hit. He um, had already signed the extension, but they've pushed these cap numbers into the future. And then 2021 is when we get the Bengals, 150 to 1, uh, according to Pro Football Reference right around week one, which was one of the longest odds of any team. And way back in February, they were 27th out of 32 teams uh, in that Omni fantasy draft. So breaking all that down a little more easier to understand in the last six years, five of them, there's been a team in the Super Bowl that this time of year around February in these Omni fantasy drafts, they were drafted either as the 16th NFL team or later, meaning Essentially, they were, they had back half of the league futures odds at this point. In five of the last six years, one of those types of teams has made the Super Bowl. So it's not just the Bengals this year. It's been several teams. And the, the two glaring factors to me are the rookie contracts or just a, a significant QB upgrade with some sort of you know cap wiggle room as well. So you had the Garoppolo situation with the 49ers. That was a significant upgrade for them. You had Brady signing with the Bucks In 2016, the Falcons are an interesting one with Matt Ryan. He just had an MVP season. They get that surplus value, even though he was on a pretty big contract. It's, uh, I mean, those ones are a little bit harder to predict, and there's probably a little bit less room for overperformance on the veteran QBs because, I mean, they're, a lot of them are already priced kind of accordingly. You know, looking at current odds, like, I don't know, first thing that popped out in my head is like Tennessee is looks pretty good. Like they have Tannehill. Tannehill could play to a higher level, but they're not in the back half of the odds right now. They're 22 to one. They're in, the, in they're like the eighth highest team or ninth highest team right now. The big, big overperformances we see, the out of nowhere ones, tend to be these rookie contract teams that are able over the course of an offseason to add a lot of talent because they have the cap space and then – Obviously, they have to get better QB play. You have to have you know that step forward. It's a really interesting offseason for this because last year with the Bengals, we had at least seen Joe Burrow play pretty well in 2020. The rookie class last year in 2021, not that impressive, right? Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, some of these guys did not play up to our hopes, our expectations. And so it's not easy to necessarily pinpoint it and be like, well, this looks like the Bengals last year. And yet I would still add – the Bengals at this time last year, they were 27th of 32 teams in futures odds. So as much as people have pointed out to us that, yeah, we were all very favorable in the fantasy industry about the Bengals and we wanted to believe their offense could be good, they were not expected to be this good. They weren't. And I don't know if the fantasy industry can take that much credit because Joe Burrow was falling you know, very deep into drafts. Jamar Chase was falling deeper than probably makes sense. Uh, T. Higgins, who actually did struggle for a chunk of the year, uh, was undervalued, at least by where I had him, which I had him overvalued. So the, the drafters were more right on where he should be there. But you look back to that time period, even right before the season starts, and there are concerns that Joe Burrow is really struggling in practice on his knee and that Jamar Chase is dropping passes and not standing out at Bengals camp. And so a couple of the very key things that went on to allow the Bengals to make this run we're more up in the air. And so I, one of the reasons why this exercise appeals to me 
is that I think it really fits with an optimistic mentality where, you know, you can project forward and see some big jumps. And I like to believe that teams can, can make these moves. And, you know, it's kind of the joke around the family that, you know, even when I'm presented with some evidence to the contrary, I'm, I'm still a believer on some of these things, you know, until we get down right to the very end. And so I like this and Ben, you and I put together a list of five teams that we think could make the jump next year. They fit some of these criteria that you've just articulated. Maybe the one problem is what you just mentioned, which is that the quarterback play that we've already seen, not really Joe Burrow-esque, right? So we're going to go through these five teams and then we're going to get to that right after the break. Hey, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. I wanted to let you know that the podcast you are listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I can speak from personal experience and tell you that if you or someone you love is struggling with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, talking to somebody about it can make a huge difference. And that's what BetterHelp does. Within 48 hours of signing on with BetterHelp, they'll match you with a professional therapist. These therapists have a broad range of expertise that might not be available where you live. This is a worldwide service that's easy to use, allows you to get matched with a therapist that you can communicate with. You can send messages, get thoughtful responses. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can talk through anything that you need and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating therapeutic matches that can give you all of the benefits of traditional offline therapy. They want you to start living a happier life today. And I believe that talk therapy is one of the ways that you can do that. Visit their website, www.betterhelp.com forward slash reviews to hear and read some of their testimonials. Again, you're going to want to visit BetterHelp, Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And we have a special offer for RotoViz listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash RotoViz. Can't recommend how important and how helpful talk therapy can be, so please check it out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so we are looking for teams that can make a big jump in quarterback play, as you mentioned, that have the money to make some adjustments or improvements to other areas of the team. And, and one of the things that that money obviously does is allows you to fill in the holes on the offensive line to address some of these positions that maybe aren't as sexy. And one of the things that you know we look at as fantasy participants is we're kind of looking for these teams to make the splashy move in the draft or in free agency to address what really I think in the contemporary NFL is the most important thing and that's to have this elite passing attack. So we're looking for them to add a receiver and be able to take the next step like the Bengals did. That's not always a possibility for a lot of teams. If you don't have cap space, if you don't have picks, then it, you know, you've got to address these other areas of weakness. You might have to stand pat with your offense. Then in terms of looking at the teams on our list here, I think that they're going to be able to make some additions they won't always be the ones that we want, and we'll be able to sort of go back through this after the draft, once free agency and the draft are done, and see if we think any of these teams have taken a step forward. But we've got a list here of teams that have cap space. They have picks, although a couple of teams I wish they had a little bit more. They have young quarterbacks. In many cases, they have young coaches. And so I'll be interested to get your thoughts on the coaching staffs and how much of an impact that will make but let's start with one that i know is, is your personal favorite now that matt nagy has gone we have the chicago bears they have 27 million dollars in cap space that's the 11th most they have the 39th pick they don't have a first rounder because they did give that up in order to go out and get justin fields but they have fields they have montgomery they've got cole Komet, which i know most people are not as excited about him as i am but i like the fact that they've got a young potentially rising receiver at that position they don't have to go out and fill that like a lot of teams really do need to address the tight end in order to have a viable and electric passing attack and then they have darnell mooney who i think can at least be a productive peripheral receiver someone who can stretch the defense again in a very important part of modern football but when i'm looking at this what i think that their needs are really to add both a free agent wide receiver and an impact rookie receiver definitely one of the two as i'm looking at this my question here is will justin fields take the step forward i'm not as worried about him frankly as some of the other quarterbacks from teams on our list and you know obviously will they address those positions do you have any names that you like there and then what does it mean that they hired a defensive mind to take over this team is that a red flag or will he delegate the responsibilities on offense to people who can get the job done yeah the, the bears are a tricky one because they don't have as much cap space as some of the other teams i mean the top five teams in available cap space right now are teams that have quarterbacks on rookie deals uh it includes like the chargers and Bengals, who are we're not going to mention here but i i still think you can get good prices on both of those teams who have already sort of made their jump but still have the room to get better the Bears are 
quite a bit behind them in terms of available cap space. They have some dead money related to some of the bad deals they've made, the you know Jimmy Graham type deals and stuff. Um, and they they sit at eighty to one in odds, so they are. There's only four teams that have worse odds than them: the the Jaguars, Lions, Jets, and Texans. And that's probably you know somewhat fair. I mean, we're not suggesting that an eighty to one odds team is going to come out of nowhere and win. I mean, I think one of the big things they have working for them is this possibility that Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the division. Is a possibility that Kirk Cousins is no longer in the division, and the Vikings are sort of on a little bit of a rebuild, and then the Lions. I mean, I think are, are sort of moving the same to the, the right direction, but they still have Jared Goff tied with a lot of money. There's a scenario, I think, it's not likely, but we're talking about an 80 to 1 shot here, where the NFC North is a, is down as a division quite a bit, without, especially at the quarterback position. And then if you couple that with this idea that Justin Fields showed us a lot of stuff, we've talked about him a ton on the show. I, I'm a fan of the, the tools we saw, not necessarily the actual production. And I blame a lot of that on the coaching. If he's able to then find you know a better system and, and find some better success overall, you can find you can kind of see a scenario where he's potentially the best quarterback in the division by leaps and bounds. Uh, it's not that hard necessarily to envision that. Again, if the Packers and Vikings are both sort of moving into sort of a rebuild year, they're not guaranteed to go that direction, but it is possible. And I think that's a pretty big favorable uh element for the bears the other side of it that i would say is like i i don't have a strong read on the coaching staff but some of the people that that i follow that i have a lot of respect for that have the that i think have a good finger on the pulse of the bears one is uh brad spielberger he does some stuff for over the cap he understands the cap stuff um and also does some work at pff he's on twitter at pff underscore brad he has been in the past pretty fair i think with the bears hard on them at times he's been pretty optimistic or it seem, seems pretty optimistic this offseason with a lot of their hires thinks they've done a really good job not just at the top i i don't like the idea of a defensive head coach but he's been pretty optimistic about their gm on down the way that they've structured their staff and so i've taken that as a positive from an outside source that um would know i think a little bit better than i would uh, in terms of what they're building over there so I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful. I, I, I really am with the Bears. I think they're one of my favorites on this entire list where, yeah, they probably need a legit number one receiver since Allen Robinson just wants out. Um, but beyond that, they, they, they need a better offensive line as well. But beyond that, I mean, I think there's some, some real positives here. I do as well. And I think that the thing you mentioned there about the level of competition is absolutely huge. As I'm looking for teams to make the jump, I mean, you can't just shoehorn it in. One of the reasons why they are a team that could move is that the nfc north looks to be very bad the nfc south also looks to be uh, basically in collapse mode this offseason and yet that doesn't necessarily mean that there's gonna be a team that comes out of there because they're all in a similar boat if you look to the afc side i mean obviously you're going to want a team from the afc south if you have the option because those teams, you know, with the young star quarterbacks in the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, you know, arguably have some of these other teams blocked. And yet 
we can still see those teams come out of it. And so we'll look to some of those guys, but I think the fact that Chicago is in the NFC North and that they have Justin Fields, and you mentioned having some confidence in the coaching staff, even though they are defensive minds, they've talked already about what they're going to do offensively. And it's just been night and day for what Matt Nagy wanted to do. They're saying, look, we're going to tailor this offense around Justin Fields and make this work. We're going to go with the read option. We're going to use what he does well. He's going to run more. He's going to have a chance to throw these vertical passes. And you look at that 39th pick, and right now there are a lot of wide receivers being projected in the first round i think it's going to be hard for all of them to go there meaning that somebody who's a borderline first round talent at the receiver position should fall to that pick now you've got all of these different positions to address it doesn't mean that the bears will use that pick at wide receiver but i think they're going to have a chance there you're not going to get a jamar chase like impact from the player you drafted that spot but they've got a real chance to upgrade this offense. I mean, people are saying like Drake London could be a second rounder. He, he feels like a really good pairing with Mooney. You talked about Mooney being more of a downfield than outside guy. London's a bigger body guy, right? He is. He is. And I think that would be a good match. I think he's going to go. We had to, just to, to give a little uh, tease here or promotion. We had Travis May on Rotoviz overtime this week. He did a great job as he always does. He talked a little about, about his adjusted production index. He said that London's going to go in the top 15 picks. I've seen him projected in that 15 to 20 range quite a bit recently. I think that one of the other teams that we're going to look at here in a second will probably take him. But yeah, I mean, if some of those guys fall, then I mean that would be the dream scenario for the Bears. I think they're going to add a receiver. And the guy that I think fits well there, but also well with our next team, would be a Chris Godwin. You look at the free agent wide receivers and the potential impacts. The only guy that I really like from that group. Now you're going to have Devontae Adams. Obviously, everybody loves him. You know, one of the top two or three wide receivers in the NFL. It looks like the Packers will franchise him and then try and make a deal to move him to a contender. So I don't think that he fits with our five teams. Although again, uh, one of these teams here looks to me like they could really make a jump and be a powerhouse right away. But the second team, the Miami Dolphins, Ben, this is our team that leads the way among all teams in cap space, $62 million. They have the 29th and the 50th picks. They don't have the sort of middle of the road pick there because that was part of their deal to get up and get Jalen Waddle, But Waddle is one of the big positives there. The other positive slash negative is Tua and how well he will perform. I think that he is probably safer than Fields and safer than some of the other quarterbacks we're about to talk about, and yet perhaps has a lower ceiling. But you talked about how Carson Wentz, you know, he wasn't even the guy who led the Eagles in their Super Bowl run several years ago. So perhaps Miami could be that team that has a backup QB making the push for them. They've got a new coach in Mike McDaniel, the former 49ers offensive coordinator. Some interesting things in terms of how he might try to build that Dolphins offense out to fit or to mirror some of the things they did in San Francisco. I think the needs are the same here, where you're really looking at adding two receivers and potentially taking two different routes. So with the 29th pick, they're in that same kind of mold where one of those receivers will probably drop to them depending on what they do in free agency, that might be a path. Do, do you have a guy that you like sort of coming here to the Dolphins and rounding the team out? The decision that they have to make, Mike Kosicki, a free agent, it'll be interesting to see what his market is like because he's a big wide receiver, 
right? He doesn't block. That's not going to fit for a lot of teams. It may not fit for a team that wants to run the ball or wants their tight end to be a a George Kittle-like tight end because that's not really what Gasicki does. At the same time, he's going to have a big market because there are very few big wide receivers slash tight end, if that's what you want to call Gasicki, who can do what he does. Yeah, he might be an interesting fit. Um, The Dolphins have had... I mean, they brought in Will Fuller last year. They they brought in Albert Wilson a few years ago on a on a decent contract, uh, and he's a free agent now again, and and barely barely played, and, and as did Will Fuller. They're, they're a team obviously that um, sort of had trouble landing these types of receivers. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think if you have Waddle, Parker's going to be back too, right? I mean, I think his contract sort of forces him back as well. I'm not sure that I see them necessarily like. You don't feel like they can upgrade on him, really? I I, I think they can upgrade on him, but I'm not sure that that's like a, a massive need necessarily. But they do have just so much cap space. I mean, maybe uh, you know, maybe a Michael Gallup if he's hit hits the market. I, but yeah, it just it's almost like they just need talent. I guess is my thought because Waddle showed us this year he could play sort of underneath and do some of these things that are, you know, if. It, we don't think there's a lot of guys that can do what Debo Samuel does, but Mike McDaniel is coming over from the 49ers. And if he's going to try to do some of that to a degree, Waddle makes a lot of sense for that with his speed and his ability. Uh, but also that Waddle could succeed downfield as well, probably. And so he's almost like this receiver right now to me that feels like he could fit with anyone. I don't even really know. And you mentioned that this idea of potentially retaining Mike Kosicki, and if they do, I mean, that's a pretty good tandem in a way that, like, I don't really know what they need to fit in with that. You know, maybe a deep threat, but that's, again, goes back to Will Fuller as maybe the best, like, pure deep threat on the market. He's probably not coming back there. Uh, but, yeah, no, I I think they're a really interesting team. And McDaniel is the kind of – I mean, you mentioned the Tua thing. The other example I would give is the – you related it to the Eagles and the Wentz thing. I, I would also call out the Rams thing where Jared Goff wasn't actually that good – but because of a good system, because of a lot of good talent around him, they went all the way to the Super Bowl. They had a very good year. Their offense was fantastic. That's basically what the Dolphins are trying to do last year was succeed despite Tua's limitations. Maybe McDaniel's the guy that unlocks that, essentially. And, and Tua doesn't have to be that much better, but the offense is better because of the system, because he's able to be a better offensive coach than what they had last year. That would be sort of my optimistic view on it. Yeah, and I think that one of the reasons that it's exciting to think about them adding one more big weapon is number one, what we saw right away what that did for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And then number two, Tua can be successful, I think, if he has enough talent around him that it's more decision-making and processing and accuracy than it is needing to be this fantastic arm talent. And so if they're able to surround him with weapons, I think that he'll be able to move the ball and make the Dolphins offense what what they need to, to match what should be a very good defense. Now, one of the things that you can do when you have this a massive amount of cap space and you're already a very solid team is they could come out and be, you know, all the way through their roster, one of the toughest teams in the NFL next year. Yeah, and that's a huge part of it. Their defense can be very good. Their offensive line can be very good. You can do a lot of these other things. But as you're saying that, uh, Calvin Ridley is the name that pops in my mind. I mean, are the Falcons going to move him? There's been some talk that he might be a target for the Patriots. Probably just speculation because Belichick loves the Alabama guys. But Miami has the cap space to trade for and, you know, in a potential 
know, basically trade and sign to a long-term deal type situation and give Rid- and, and Ridley, as you've described, that seems to be a perfect fit. He does such a good job at getting open, essentially, that Tua would then not have as much pressure on him and it takes some pressure off Waddle. I mean, that's just, that feels like a really nice fit. It would be. And the number one thing that I hope with Ridley is that he plays and that he's happy and that the situations that he's dealing with, whatever they are, get resolved because we all know how tough it can be if one of the main things in your life is not there for you because you've got some other things going on. So basically I just, I wish him the best. And that does seem like a really cool fit. Our third team here, they actually made the playoffs last year, but they still feel like a little bit of a long shot. As I was going through the different steps here, putting this together, it struck me just how much of a juggernaut they could actually be next year. The Philadelphia Eagles have $20 million in cap space. They don't have a lot that they need to spend on to retain. They've got the young QB and Jalen Hurts, who wasn't a fantastic passer this past year, but was able to move the ball in many cases and make them a solid team. Despite that, they have Devonte Smith, who I think people are going to be stunned at just how good he is. Once they pass a little bit more, they have Dallas Goddard, who is probably one of the best receiving tight ends in the NFL. So they've got that very good foundation. And we're looking at these teams that are going to make the jump. You know, we want some pieces in place that, allow them to build off of that and already have you know these guys who can carry them to where they need to go if they have the other pieces and then but they have the 15th 16th 19th and 51st picks i think that despite the fact they've drafted so many early round receivers recently what they really need is one more impact young receiver they've got the coach going into the second year and so that's an interesting development where you know, you've got some continuity. Some of these teams where it's the coach's first year, you're thinking, okay, well, you know, do we need to really wait a year to make the case for them to take the next step? I don't think that the Dallas Cowboys are quite as much of a hurdle as maybe some, you know, people around the fantasy community think. I think we could be looking at the Philadelphia Eagles as a mega team, you know, 10 months from now. And so is this the team that you were thinking would be landing Drake London in that 15, 16, 19 range. I mean, three picks there between 15 and 20 is nice. And and one of the things about this, and you see this also in terms of fantasy, if you have a bunch of picks in a range, is that there's a little bit less pressure to waste value to move up to get your guy. You have a chance to address different positions if you have multiple holes. So they're going to be sitting there feeling very good if they have multiple things to address and a number of different guys on their board, you know, if we're in a situation where, you know, there are a lot of mocks still that have Traylon Burks falling into this range. Definitely Garrett Wilson is someone who is very intriguing. I mean, they could have multiple potential top 10 wide receivers fall to them. If, as I expect in a couple of mocks that came out in the last sort of 48 hours now, from some big names are pushing are starting to push the quarterbacks up we're starting to see those quarterbacks move into that range where not only are they not falling but people are suggesting okay teams may be trading up to get them you know that moves those guys down the eagles could be looking at some really good players in this range and and not having to be concerned you know one of the things that you hate is when a team has all of this potential value and then they just destroy it by using it to move up and taking one guy as opposed to, you know, a 
dressing all of the holes that they have. You know, not that they would use all three picks, but they're not going to need to waste value, I don't think, because th- they can get multiple guys here. They they just don't have to worry about it. I love it. And this is uh, another team we didn't mention Miami, but both of the Eagles in Miami are at 40 to 1 odds right now outside of, you know, the the top half as we're kind of defining it um, of current odds. And so even though they made the playoffs this this past year, like you said, they they're coming in as I think a really nice price in the futures market as well. Cause you're right. I mean, with, the, with some cap space and with all those picks, you know, assuming that they don't get wonky and try to replace Hertz or anything, if they're willing to just go another year with him and let him continue to develop, cause I think we both agree they can win with him. That's going to be, it's going to be a good team. Hey, here's a more controversial one for you. The New York jets, right? They have 44 million in cap. That's the fifth most. They have the 4th, 10th, 35th, and 38th picks. So they're going to be able to make some moves to address this team. They have Elijah Moore, who looks like a young star, but they do need a lot, right? They need Zach Wilson to be basically someone else entirely. They need an impact young wide receiver. It would be surprising to me if they try and make another free agent move since Corey Davis is there. And if you need any kind of kind of veteran element to your wide receiver group i think that he does that for you uh if you're talking about making the jump this year it'd be great to see them get a free agent tight end and not have to wait on a guy to develop you've got players like schultz everett and joku who might be interesting within the context of some of the other things they've got here they have robert soleil so again a second year coach so you're going to have the continuity there then when i'm looking at this my big issue is that as I look at the Rotoviz screener, and I use the similarity search feature for quarterbacks who have similar types of draft situations and then similar rookie year numbers, you get names like Blaine Gabbert and Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Christian Ponder, Josh Rosen, Mitchell Trubisky, Kyle Bowler, David Carr. I mean, there there aren't names in there where you're like, oh yeah, these guys play poorly in their first year and then bounce back they're they're going to be fine right i mean that's that's not what we're dealing with that's not the comp list we're looking for at all uh and, and the fantasy community knows it but it's interesting you you we've talked about this a little bit on the air and, and then also off the air you put together this list of five here you did not include the jaguars who i think people are more optimistic about trevor lawrence turning it around but don't have and they have a ton of cap space but probably don't have maybe as many pieces sort of in place already necessarily i mean they don't have an elijah moore as much as it pains me to say that uh as it relates to lavisca chenault not being that guy they have even more cap space than the jets they have a new coach in doug peterson who could be good what is it about the jet situation that makes you a little bit more optimistic than the jaguars who uh by the way the jets are 150 to 1 right now tied with the Lions and the Texans for the longest odds in football. The Jaguars are at 100 to 1, just right one spot ahead of them, the fourth lowest odds. So we're talking about two of the longest shots in all of football. But what what is it about the Jet situation that for for you propels them over the Jaguars in terms of being this potential team? I think for me it's the fact that I don't know that the gap between Lawrence and Wilson is quite as large as it's probably perceived to be. And then exactly what you said. I think the Jets have more of a foundation in place since 
if they were to add, you know, again, a, a free agent tight end and would then add an impact receiver. And they're in a spot here with all of these picks where I think they're very well set up to do that. And then you have Elijah Moore and then one of these rookies and you're looking at this potential big jump from the offense. And then you have the continuity with the head coach. And what I really feel like will be a big jump from the Jets defense. And then you have this sort of overall team to where I think that they could be, I mean, you're talking about a team that's going to have to go against the Bills and then the Patriots, who even if Mac Jones doesn't take the next step, is going to be a very, very solid team. We already mentioned the Dolphins as a potential sleeper team. So the AFC East isn't going to be a great situation in terms of getting to 9, 10, 11 wins. But if you talked about 7 or 8 wins and a team that really took a big jump and was competitive with those teams consistently as opposed to being very surprising you know when they stay in the game then i think the jets are well positioned to do that the jaguars feel like they need to overturn almost every player on their roster now that's a little bit unfair obviously they've got some guys and a better coaching situation should help those players take the next step but when you're talking about turnover and you're talking about what the jaguars have to do on both sides of the ball to be competitive they just need to make such a big jump. I don't see the foundation pieces for them, but I think you can make that argument for on the Jets side. Now we like Travis Etienne. There could be some really cool fantasy elements to what the Jaguars do, but we know that that passing offense is so important. And I just think Elijah Moore gives them such a great starting point. I don't think it's impossible that he emerges to become, you know, a, a Marvin Harrison type of player a real superstar and that's what you need for especially if you have these quarterback situations where the quarterbacks are going to need a lot of help definitely and then the last team we have here is one that it kind of fits the other mold of just being a quarterback upgrade away and i think this is the team you were referring to when you were saying they could be explosive they're a popular team to talk about for a quarterback upgrade it's the denver broncos they do have a little bit better odds. They're 22 to one. One concern, you know, we talked about the divisional stuff. One concern is certainly that the, the Chargers look for real. The Chiefs are in that division. You know, even if they were to acquire Aaron Rodgers, obviously that would make them very, very good. But that would immediately become one of the, if not the best, but right there, I think with the AFC West, or excuse me, the NFC West, as probably the best or two best divisions in football. But they have everything else that you need, I think. They have a ton of cap space. They have a top 10 pick. They have a ton of skill position talent. They were to add uh, an Aaron Rodgers type or even really any kind of quarterback upgrade, a significant enough one. This is a team that could have a really good offense and potentially be able to piece with this uh, cap space and the top 10 pick, piece together a really good defense as well. And you're, of course, talking about the Denver Broncos there. And as you mentioned, they look like the team that could be, you know, like they were several years ago when they made the move for Peyton Manning and like the Buccaneers were just a couple years ago when they added Tom Brady. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't do something squirrely and retire, which, you know, was all the news today, then it's hard to not see him landing with the Denver Broncos. You mentioned the cap space. They have $39 million. It's the sixth most. They could get the job done in terms of moving things around to get him. They also have the young pieces in trade because you're going to need to throw in some actual players in addition to picks. I have down as the positives for the Broncos everything. 
right? They've got a good defense. I didn't necessarily think that their head coach deserved to get fired based on what he had done defensively there. They've got the running back. They've got the wide receivers. You know, their second string tight end might be a top seven or eight tight end in the NFL. They've got the ninth, 40th, and 64th picks. What they need is a QB. They have Nathaniel Hackett as their new coach, the former Packers OC. It'll be interesting to kind of get a sense of what he wants to do we know that his role there as the offensive coordinator was maybe not what it was at some of his previous stops as i was going through this and refreshing myself today ben on hackett is he was actually the offensive coordinator for the 2017 jacksonville jaguars who had blake bortles leonard fournette keelan cole as the number one wide receiver and lost to the new england patriots in the afc championship game now that was the sort of one bright spot for the jaguars in recent history they had that great defense but they also somehow finished fifth in scoring that year despite the bortles cole combination leading the way for them obviously we know that they have the connection there with the denver broncos Blake Bortles and Keelan Cole, does that give you confidence that this Denver Broncos team uh, can be an offensive juggernaut with the right quarterback in place? I mean, that's a good pull. I totally forgot that he was there. And then obviously Hackett has the Green Bay ties, which makes him a really good fit with Aaron Rodgers for obvious reasons. That Jaguars team is another good example of the rookie contract stuff we were talking about. At quarterback with Bortles being on the rookie contract, they were able to really build up their defense and they should have won that AFC championship. If they would have, they would have been in that list that I was giving earlier. There was the Miles Jack play, the fumble, I believe, was blown dead and shouldn't have been. And he could have ran it back for a touchdown, would have probably put the Jaguars out of reach from the Patriots and given them a trip to the Super Bowl in that season. And so they would have been in that that group I was talking about of teams that had these um rookie contract quarterbacks that were able to kind of build really good teams around them. That team I don't, I'm surprised at how good they were offensively. I don't remember them having a lot of offensive stars, but yeah, they had that one really good year. You talked about how bad the NFC South could be if you know, Brady's gone, the Saints are sort of imploding, Sean Payton's gone, Drew Brees was gone last year, the Falcons don't really look ready. I think Carolina is sort of, and they've been trying hard to get a quarterback. They've been in on everyone. And they still have Sam Darnold. They picked up his fifth-year option after the traded for him. He's locked into a a lot of dead money and is not good. And they seem to know that there's reports that they don't think he is their quarterback of the future, but in a scenario where they were able to somehow get in a reasonable quarterback for that offense, you look at their team, their season last year, their offense was so, so bad, largely because their quarterback play was really, really bad. Still have a really young defense. That's a D that I loved last summer for fantasy drafts in part because they had taken JC Horn in the top 10 picks. He got off to a really nice start as a, a cornerback. Then Torres Achilles, don't know how healthy he'll be next year, but if he is able to come back and play at a high level, they have really young uh, pass rushers as well. Brian Burns, young, good one. These guys actually aren't even that young, but good pass rushers in Brian Burns and uh, Hassan Redick. I'll, uh, some other key talent that they've taken on, on their defense with some top picks, uh, the D-tackle, Derek Brown, some other key players. So maybe their defense is able to play at a little bit of a higher level. They got DJ Moore, who we all know is the best receiver in the NFL. They're another team I want to throw out. Not an optimistic one because I don't really like Matt Rule at this point, but mildly optimistic. And then the Steelers, who you've said to me, I don't know about if it's been on the show or off the show, feel like a really good landing spot. 
or who who's your pick there? Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo? Is that or was it Rogers at one point? Well, they're being connected to all of the main guys. And Ben, what are your thoughts here on losing your QB there in Seattle? It sounds like that is a dot that a lot of people are connecting between those two cities. The Steelers 29 million in cap space. We know that they have Najee Harris, they've got Pat Fryermuth, they have Deontay Johnson, they have Chase Claypool. It'll be interesting to see how many of those guys are able to take the next step if Chase Claypool, you know, really is sort of that short window fluke, or if Roethlisberger was holding him down. There's a chance that they would be able to resign Juju Miss Schuster. I'm back excited that supposedly the Chiefs are going to be pursuing him again, but we know that the Steelers have a lot of talent. And as you were saying to me earlier, it seems like their odds should be better. Yeah, they're at 50 to 1 right now, along with the Panthers. And I I think a lot of that's like, oh, they're without Ben Roethlisberger, they don't have a quarterback. But the way that to look at this fit in my mind fits what we've talked about with a lot of other teams where in the past, where they're basically a quarterback away. And I don't actually think it would be hard for them to have an upgraded quarterback relative to the way Ben Roethlisberger played last year. I think that would actually be relatively easy. And so I think the market is viewing them unfavorably right now relative to the potential for them to be actually better next year with a new quarterback. Even a Garoppolo is probably an upgrade over 2021 Ben Roethlisberger. And they have good defense and they have a good coach who's, you know, their big thing last year they're all excited about was, for Ben Roethlisberger's entire career, they never had a losing record, right? They were able to get back into a winning record late in the season, make the playoffs. I mean, that speaks really well of Mike Tomlin, of the fact that he's able to continually coach good, you know, strong defenses. If they're able to get uh, a reasonable quarterback upgrade, like a Jimmy Garoppolo, you got you to address the offensive line to a degree, but you still have Deontay Johnson there. You still have Claypool, like you said. You have Pat Framuth is a really nice young tight end. That's a team at 50 to one right now. It's kind of hard for me to understand that price with the talent they have at on the roster. It doesn't make sense because when you have that kind of continuity and excellence within the overall organization, and certainly a coach that is highly respected and the players like to play for, and you've got all of those young weapons on offense. I mean, this is the perfect team to recruit one of these quarterbacks who wants to go somewhere else and play for a championship. I mean, the Steelers can obviously get you there. So why, you know, wouldn't they be doing a little bit better in these betting markets? You have TJ Watt, you have Cameron Hayward, you have Minka Fitzpatrick. They're all under contract. I, I didn't mention them yet because I want to check that, but they all are, are all under contract. Devin Bush under contract, several key defensive players in place. I mean, this is not a team that needs a lot in terms of rebuilding. And you're going to have to compete with a resurgent Baltimore Ravens team and Lamar Jackson's going to be back. They're going to be very good. You've got to compete with the Cincinnati Bengals and how difficult your path is, is obviously going to affect your odds. That's one of the reasons why we would like to be picking teams from some of these divisions that are a little bit weaker. Unfortunately, that's not exactly where we see the teams that appear really to be ready to take the next step at this juncture. Yeah, it's interesting. So this is a fun exercise really to look at it because I feel like we just made a pretty good case for about half the teams that are in the bottom half of the league in 2022 Super Bowl odds, the obvious corollary is some of the teams in the top half probably expected to come down. I don't know that it's easy to pick those out. I'm not saying we're going to do that. I mean, the Packers are right up there right now still. And obviously if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, they're not a good fit or near the top. 
I don't think there's a ton of teams in the top half that I feel comfortable picking out and saying they're they're bad. They're you know they're they're a bad pick for this. They're a bad pick for that. The Patriots, another one we didn't mention, do have a rookie quarterback. Could potentially see some growth from Mac Jones. Played pretty well, and Belichick maybe is getting some pieces together for a sort of a second second win to his Patriots uh, career without Brady. I'm, I'm looking through some of these other teams. There's not a, a ton that feel like obvious fallbacks. The Bucs are the other one. If they don't have Brady, they, they might fall back. But they have some talent as well. But it, it just goes to show that, number one, these odds are not going to be very predictive. They have not been in um, past years. That was something we had at the top of the show. But number two, also, that we just don't know a lot in the NFL. I mean, we don't know a lot in the summer when we get into our projections. We don't know a lot in fantasy draft season about what teams are going to be really good and what teams are going to be worse. I mean, you mentioned even the Bengals, a team that we were pretty optimistic on some of their receivers, that Burrow was going pretty late. There was a, there was concern this time last year about his health and even all through the summer about his health and even into the season for the first month of the season that Joe Burrow wasn't right. That's a guy that we talked about a ton all season this year that we were saying, just be patient. They'll start throwing more. There's going to be some positive outcomes coming. And we were lucky to be right on that. There's more broadly, you look at the, the rest of the league and you say there's a lot of ways that a lot of these teams could go here in the next you know six months before we even get to the start of the season. And then again, even then we might not be right in, in August on in terms of what these teams are and what type of upside they, upside they really have as the Bengals were an example of and all these other examples we've given all show. So it's fun. It's fun to sit here and talk about it. There's a lot of teams – um, you know, my first look at some of these long shot teams, I was like, eh, I can kind of see it. I can't really see it. But sitting and talking through it with you, looking at some of the firepower these teams have, that's the big thing about the NFL. People talk about the league of parity and all this. You, you get when you're bad, you get number one, you get some cap space usually, and you get a lot of picks as long as you haven't completely mismanaged it. And there's this opportunity to add a lot of high level talent. Picks can be so huge because it's not just quarterback, you can get a lot of surplus value. The NFL, we've seen at all positions, rookies can come and be very productive early, play above their contracts with that rookie wage scale. It creates a potential for you to have some key pieces in a couple different spots that aren't really making a lot of money, and then you've added free agents around them. And so there's a lot of firepower on some of these teams. The Eagles, I think, are the one that you really convinced me on the most. I mean, they have some cap space. They have all those picks. Four picks in the top 51, top 60 picks, three of those in the top 20. I mean, that's... There's a lot they can do there. There is, and it, it, it has been a fun exercise. The thing that I was sort of connected to as we've been discussing is that one of the main themes on Stealing Bananas is this idea of trying to benefit in your fantasy drafts from uncertainty, to be willing to take the risk on wide range of outcomes players to have a humility-based approach to drafting, knowing that you don't know the future, knowing that you're going to be wrong a lot of the time, but trying to take that and use it to your advantage. You can also take that from the team perspective. And we know that some of these full organizations that have a wide range of outcomes, teams that haven't been good yet, but as you just put it, have a ton of ammunition. Some of those teams will execute and will get a lot, lot better and will be the next wave of you know teams that, that make the Super Bowl. I don't think that it's impossible that we embark kind of on a time period here where the top QBs are so good that they keep a, a little bit more consistency, that they put a little bit of a lid on some of these teams coming up and competing for championships. 
you know, AFC, NFC side and then making the Super Bowl. But again, that, that can be an overconfident kind of take that those guys are going to stay healthy, that their teams around them are going to be good and that we won't have this next wave of team come through. So I'm excited to watch that. It'll be fun to obviously track the combine coming up here just around the corner free agency the nfl draft and then see where we are in a couple of months if we think that these same teams are going to be the ones that make the push yeah and and i mean one more thing i want to say is obviously we've talked about a lot of teams here it just having the cap space and the picks doesn't mean that they're going to make the right decisions you you have to use that stuff efficiently you can't just throw money around there's examples of teams that have not done it well i mean i I don't want to just pick out one team because there's a lot of examples, but um, I mean, the, the bears are sort of an example of one who, you know, I want to see them succeed, but they've, they've made some bad decisions for a while now, but uh, I was looking at the giants who we hadn't discussed yet. They still have Daniel Jones on a rookie contract. There's been some talk. They might add in another quarterback or somebody that I saw a, a little rumor. Maybe they get like a Marcus Mariota and he winds up starting for them, that type of a thing. They're not spending a lot of cap right now on quarterback, which is huge, but they've spent a lot in free agency and not gotten a lot out of it. They're actually over the cap right now. They have negative cap space, if you will, when you when you look at the cap space metrics, even despite having Daniel Jones on an $8 million quarterback contract as their main QB because of contracts like Kenny Galladay's and um, some of the offensive line contracts and some of the things they have there. So that's a team we didn't mention, you know, potentially has some, you know, some potential. They certainly have some picks and things, but, you know, Saquon Barkley pick is another thing we can mention. We love Saquon Barkley, but using that caps or excuse me, that the draft capital on a running back at the number two overall pick also wasn't helpful here in these past five years. And so there's a lot of things that have led to them not really being in the same position other some of the teams we talked about are going to go that way. Not all of these eighty to one shots are going to hit. They're going to they're going to look really bad a year from now, and we're going to look back on this and be like, yeah, we were talking about the you know X, Y, and Z team is having a chance. We're idiots because they made all these terrible decisions all offseason. It's going to feel obvious after the fact. But again, I just want to reiterate: this time last year, we didn't think the Bengals had it in them either. They had been bad for a very long time. They had a great offseason. They did take Chase. The Chase Sewell debates went all offseason. They took Chase. Chase was an immediate massive impact offensive rookie of the year really helped elevate their passing game just to replace the AJ green routes with the Jamar chase routes was just so, so massive for that team in 2021, even without the offensive line. That was the other thing, even through August, we're saying, well, do they, can they block Burrow? Burrow's going to get destroyed. And he did all playoffs. He got sacked a ton, but they made the super bowl anyway, because they had so much talent and a little bit of luck here and there, but yeah, I mean, none of this is, is certain, but it's fun to speculate. It's fun to think about what could happen. It is. It is. And I think the moral of the story always comes back around to what you just said. If you were on the clock in the first round and you want to figure out how to make your team a Super Bowl contender, take that fun wide receiver. You you won't regret it until that receiver is not Jamar Chase. That'll do it for today's episode of Stealing Bananas. As always, I'm Sean Siegel. With me is Ben Gretchen. You can follow at Yards Per Gretch. Subscribe to the awesome Stealing Signals newsletter and be on the lookout for info and just leagues with Omni Fantasy. I know Ben's doing a lot of stuff with that, and that's a really fun uh, league system and, and opportunity there. So, so don't miss out if you're interested in drafting NFL teams here in February. 
We'd love to have you over at Rotoviz. If you're looking for a discount on your subscription, use the coupon code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. You'll get 10% off. The Rotoviz Rookie Guide is out now. Also has a coupon code in there if you want to go that particular path with it. Leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. We appreciate everything you guys have done for us with those reviews they've been absolutely fantastic subscribe to the feed you'll get our episodes as soon as they do come out and you'll be able to follow along with the tempo that we have here over these off-season months we're looking forward to the episodes that we can do around the combine the draft free agency and all of the different fantasy drafts that we're involved in dynasty best ball and more over that time period have a great couple of days and we will talk to you guys again soon